Hey everyone, welcome to the Single Player Experience, the hottest podcast in the galaxy itself. But enough about me, because we got a really cool episode for you today. We're talking about Unity news. We're going to be talking about a game getting canceled due to Unity change, what we've been playing, and more, because this is the Single Player Experience, the premier podcast for single player gamers to find about good single player games to play and just hear about video game news. But my guest today is not just a single player gamer because he is the master of destiny itself he is a a regular at this show and i absolutely love him one of my favorite guests in the world this is alec (laughs) alec how you doing i am fantastic how are you thank you for the intro man uh, thank you so much for being on the show alec you know like uh you've been on here so many times i won't ask you to let people know like how the how you know like the whole background and bio and such like that but i will ask what is a crazy take that you want to tell people about like your hot take Ooh, hot take oh okay i got a hot take i like this 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 is my spiciest take and some some people will call me elitist over it not all games are meant for everybody I like that. I like that. <laughs> and the reason I say that is, you know, you have games like Dark Souls, right? Mm-hmm. Where the idea is, especially with Dark Souls, it's like, you know, the skill level is up here and you, it's trying to elevate you as a player to get there. But like, if you're really into Dark or if you're not into Dark Souls and you're trying to get into it, you have, you know, people who are, who think it's a really cool concept to try to get into it and they get really frustrated because of the difficulty. And then... I don't know, vent, vent their frustration to the wider audience at large about, you know, uh, they're frustrated with, oh, I can't do this and I can't do that and this should be easier and that should be easier. But I think it defeats the whole purpose. It's kind of uh, the case, I think, with also endgame MMO content. I know this is a constant discussion in Destiny about where's that line that players should be at in order to do those kinds of things. But, you know, that content, and I think this is sort of the what makes that content so great is it's not designed to be accessible to uh players who have just entered the game you know it's supposed to be sort of a skill marker a skill check to make sure that you can progress through those things and for the people who invest all the time into it it's really rewarding to pass through those things so then to hear other people being like oh they should make this easier oh they should make that easier (laughs) makes it really really hard for the players who are putting in those the the hours to get better at it to really feel that reward and success uh, in comparison to the people who are just coming in. And that's where that take comes from. Of, I don't, you know, developers are, are always trying to make games for a specific audience in mind. And, you know, I think consumers also need to be aware of that as well as, you know, their skill gaps are a real thing and that's okay. It's There's nothing wrong with not being good at a game or not having the necessary skills to be able to compete at that level in those high skill activities but um i think those things should exist and should still be those hard caps to help those players who are at the upper skill brackets continue to find enjoyment in the games that they're playing 
Yeah, I'm right there with you. I don't think um, all games are meant for everyone, period. Because I'm like, I look at a Western RPG, like recently, um, Cyberpunk's um, Phantom Liberty, the, the expansion came out. I look at games like Starfield. Not everyone's into Western RPGs, and not just like, not everyone's into turn-based games. Like, you look at games like Persona 5, or, or like, um, the Persona series, or like, the Tales of Arise, and different things like that. Like, not everyone's going to be interested in, in those. So I'm like pick uh, like it's cool to experiment and find what you like about what you like in gaming and you know like always just always like experiment see what you like see what you don't like always continue to grow but like if you find something you like you're probably going to have more fun sticking in your lane i'm gonna be honest with you like <laughs> if you're a destiny person who really loves playing destiny all the time you know like maybe you want to play more destiny than actually experiment <laughs> and, 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 and play games that you're probably going to complain about you know uh, so oh true and, and 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 don't get me wrong i do understand especially from players perspectives with like when you're entering the dark souls thing the dark souls community is legendary for being incredibly toxic to people who are like oh no i'm trying to get better at the game but i'm really struggling with this boss and people just get good like <laughs> like I, obviously there's an issue with that because you know we don't want to be gatekeeping and that's the issue really is we don't want to necessarily gatekeep content as much as you want to help those players try to get better either through their builds maybe it's something technical um and then trying to push them in that direction but yeah i think uh not all content should be accessible to every skill level. I think having that some content locked behind a, a certain skill level that developers are trying to get you to play up to, I think is important. And I think it's a lot of fun to have that challenge that you're constantly chasing in order to try to beat those things. Honestly, you know, like I, I think there's there's really cool like layers in having challenges like that mm -hmm. like and like um recently i believe liza p is the newest souls born that came out where it's um where it's starring a pinocchio like character you play as pinocchio and it's mm -hmm. like the souls born um very similar to bloodborne but like you know there's there's some nuance there and and some satisfaction of getting good at those games and it's yeah. like yeah it's it's that grind but not everyone's built for the grind you know that, that's yeah. the thing not everyone's gonna be built for the grind and i don't think there should be an easy mood mode in some games so like you're saying i'm like some games are made for some people some games aren't like if you're a person who likes challenges like that maybe give the souls games a try if not you know like maybe you go to farm uh, maybe you go to like um farmville or something like that or stardew valley or and maybe maybe you're an assassin's creed person who really likes stealth games i'm like find your lane stick to it and maybe there's tons of games out there that like like that add more to your genre so maybe just experiment within the genres you like you know yeah completely agree yeah, I, I I think that's a really hot take. That's a that's a good take. I really do. I, I think that's a good one. I think that's a good one. So, Alec, I I gotta ask you a question. Um, mm -hmm. you know, like I think I know the answer, but for I just always have to ask this though. What have you been playing lately? So, Destiny. Uh, okay, always. I do know the answer. But but so there there was drama. Uh, as Bungie was DDoSed uh, for about a week or so. So the servers were virtually unplayable. Um, it was happening during high trafficking time. So like if I would hop on at like, you know, 3.30 or 4, it'd be okay. And then by 5, 5.30, servers were gone. So ended up revisiting a lot of my backlog. So uh, as a f yeah, I know. As a, as a, forma, as a former FIFA main, 
I dipped my toes back into FIFA for a bit. I hopped around to Baldur's Gate 3 for a little bit. Let's go. <laughs> um, I made my way over to Fallout 4 to okay. do a, um, oh, what was it? It was a specific build. It was, um, oh God, it's going to come back to me in a little bit. But yeah, so I dipped my toes into Fallout 4. I looked at redownloading Cyberpunk. I touched a little Battlefield. I went just about everywhere. Oh, and Halo. Dipped my toes back into Halo for a bit. Okay. Just played sort of a mishmash looking for something that would uh, handle the addiction, but nothing quite had it. So <laughs> nothing, nothing scratched before you did it. No, it's it's so strange to have like, I mean, obviously I've invested so many hours into Destiny, but like to to try to play something else and being like, this just isn't it. It's just not it. Um, it, 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 it I even noticed it in Fallout. I mean, Fallout, I remember the first summer I played Fallout, I had just come out of a breakup, so I was looking just to sort of like just get lost in a game. Yeah. And I used to just endlessly walk through the wasteland and just sort of like you'd find the kid in the fridge and like there's all those cool little those little side quests. And I was just sort of meandering the wasteland again, going, okay, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, that's funny dialogue. Did it feel sluggish for you? Like, it did. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, this was like coming from something fast paced like Destiny. I'm like going to something that's very methodical and very slow paced like yes. Fallout 4. I know that had to feel like you were basically the Flash at that point. Yes, yes. And th that was the biggest thing I think I struggled with throughout all my games was, you know, Destiny is such a you're hopping into a playlist, you play a quick game, you're like blitzing through it, then you run onto something else, or even in PvP, it's like, you know, you're you're using all your movement techniques to move, just like physically move as fast as you possibly can. And it's like, you get into like Baldur's Gate and you know, it's, it's long story-based yeah. gameplay. And so I'm sitting there listening to the story and I go, yeah, no, this is all great story, but like, I kind of want to, <laughs> I kind of want to <laughs> progress a little mm -hmm. bit quicker. So it, it was a bit of a struggle and, you know, I will find my way back to those games again soon. But, you know, we've had, I think, three days of server stability, so we're enjoying it while it lasts. <laughs> <laughs> I like how it's like, y'all basically live out in the desert and y'all enjoy the rain when it comes. You're like, yay, it's raining <laughs> for a couple of days. Yeah, we're, I, I mean, for Bungie's sake, I hope it's been resolved. I hope that they've, you know, located where the DDoSer is and have shut down server access to that area. But DDoSing, especially if it's a group, I mean, it's virtually impossible to find a way around it. You're either waiting for them to get bored or having to shut off an entire server base. So, yeah, it, it, it was brutal for them. And then, unfortunately for them also, the week before, uh, crafting is a big part of Destiny. Mm -hmm. And people discovered that if you turned your frames per second down to 30 frames per second and say you selected a shotgun, but then quickly selected an auto rifle before that screen would come up, you would move the intrinsic capabilities of a shotgun to an auto rifle. What? Yes. So uh, this was a really big deal because uh, the weekend that this was sort of discovered, mm -hmm was a comeback weapon week so there's a weapon in game called igneous hammer considered by a lot of people to be like the best hand cannon in the game and people love hand cannons so everybody was super excited to go into trials of osiris which is the 3v3 competitive multiplayer mode to get this hand cannon 
this was like the big announcement. Everybody was raring to go. And then on the morning of that Friday, when trials opened up, this bug went viral. And, oh, no. ev- and for the first two hours or so, people were kind of using it, but kind of not because, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, you have a shotgun that's, or you have an auto rifle that's shooting shotgun pellets. So it's still shooting like shotgun pellets and melting people from like 40, 50, 60 meters away. So the TTK value is something like 0.1 seconds. So I mean, it, it was considered diet cheating. Yeah. And people were like, oh, they're going to get banned. Oh, they're going to get shut down. And Bungie did not have a solution, which rightfully mm-hmm. so. They'd only had two hours to look at the bug. So they opened the floodgates and told everybody, good luck, have fun. And told no. people that if uh, if they're going to do it, they won't be banned. So have fun for the weekend. They'll try to figure out a solution. And they didn't figure out a solution for about a week, really. And then right after, so we had what they called the craftening where people combined like bows into rocket launchers and grenade launchers into machine guns. And it was chaos. It, I bet. It, it, it virt- the game was virtually unplayable in any case where you weren't playing in a controlled environment. So if you weren't playing with your friends, everybody was running around with what we called the spam it. There was yeah. an auto rifle called Amit that's craftable and they were combining the shotgun into it and thus became known as spam it because it just shredded everything. No. So as Bungie was dealing with that bug, they then had to deal with the DDoS like literally a week after. So, <laughs> no. So, what would you? So, let's just say this: the the this, you know, knock on wood, the servers go down next week as well. Like, what would you play? I think it's back to Baldur's Gate. I think okay. it's a game that I need to invest a lot more time into, especially because I'm enjoying the meme aspects of Baldur's mm-hmm. Gate. So I know for my character, I rolled one of the dragons and I rolled him as a bard because I thought that'd oh, be hilarious cool. to make a dragon bard. Um, so there's there's certain aspects of that <laughs> that I want to pursue, as well as um, oh my Fallout 4 build, which was an idiot savant build, what? where he he has one intelligence but ten luck. Mm-hmm. So that's really, funny. Like those are the kinds of things where I was like, okay, I really want to sink my teeth into those. So I'll probably I'll see if I can come back around to them. But you know, if the servers can stay up, we're good to go. Yeah, <laughs> it ain't happening at that point. Yeah, it ain't happening at that point what is there a, is there another like mmo type of um game on the market that would probably like it, it has a chance of competing with destiny for your playtime so there are two okay. um star trek online but that's only because i'm a massive yeah. star trek fan um and i have i think i have something like 80 hours in there and i have like a character that's like a level 50 or something and i think max is 60 i could be wrong um but that's a game where i've always wanted to revisit it i mean there's so many seasons worth of content in terms of story stuff that you can just play which Mm -hmm. is really cool um it's a little bit of a steep entry price though which is why i'm a little was and still am reluctant to get in like in order to get like the end game ship i think it's 200 dollars or something and that ship is supposed to be like what you're paying for in the game and i'm like i don't know about that so uh in terms of the end game content i was not overly intrigued by it i also could just not be understanding how the end game content worked Mm -hmm. um but that was one and then one that i played for many many years was lord of the rings online um that my 
my dad and my younger brother play and they're huge lord of the rings fans and i love lord of the rings so it's a game that i've i've had an off and on relationship with especially over the last couple of years but i used to sink thousands of hours into that so those are sort of the two but you never know it, it it's always hard to gauge what game is really going to pull me or grab my interest because there's always something really cool whether it's you know super mario world or you know all you know maybe one day i wake up and i'm like i want to play tetris today like <laughs> you never quite know what's gonna quite pull you out of it do you think you like it seems like I, and i don't know this because i'm not deep into destiny <laughs> like that but it seems like destiny players would love diablo i would say so yeah i think um at least the pve community i think yeah. The, the biggest problem with Destiny's PvP community is there's nothing quite like Destiny PvP. Um, like, Bungie has really mastered gunplay. Um, okay. And, and, and I mean, you know, people who've played Halo 1, Halo 2, and Halo 3 know that, like, the fun part of Halo was the gunplay and, you know, having your overshield and going into the great multiplayer design maps and having it be like 5v5 or 6v6. And I think that's where Destiny really, like, uh, it excels, mm -hmm. um, at least in their PvP environment. For the PvE side of it, I definitely think Diablo would be great. I mean, all the build crafting that goes into it, trying to get the loot or get specific loot for what you're trying to do. Um, I think Diablo is great or Path of Exile. I know Path of Exile 2 is coming out um, soon as well. So those are all really good options for people who are looking to play something a little bit different, but it's relatively in the same vein. What what class in Destiny would we be like the most accessible for a newcomer to, to try to play with? Probably either Hunter or Titan. Okay. Um, Hunter is probably like uh, there's a lot of people that talk about um, so basically like when you roll a new character you can either pick Hunter, Titan, or Warlock, and um, you get all the 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 light classes that come with it. So there's Solar Void and Arc, and Solar Hunter. A lot of people in the community really believe that that's supposed to be like your entry point into destiny like you play like if you've played call of duty or you've played halo or you've played any other shooter and you're coming into destiny solar hunter has like you know throwing knives or they have like a super that shoots a big gun and you know those kinds of things are supposed to be like the easiest most accessible ones um it's sort of the same thing we we joke with titans we call them the crayon eaters because a lot of their a lot of their builds are melee based or just running straight in and um, Warlock is a, definitely a bit more of a, you're kind of building into it a lot more with your ability kits and your weapons and trying to use your exotics to really fill out your kit. Whereas, yeah, I think Hunter and Hunter and Titan are a bit more straightforward. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. So, you know, I've been playing Starfield lately. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, like I, I went back and played uh, Fallout 4 a little bit just to kind of like remember what uh, old school Bethesda mm -hmm. game kind of felt like in preparation for Starfield. And, mm -hmm. you know, Starfield feels like kind of like I, I'm a Star Wars fan. You're a Star Trek fan. It kind of feels mm -hmm. like it sort of meets in the middle of those two things, but fails, mm -hmm. uh, but fails to kind of give us that fantasy that we actually want from those the, from mm -hmm. like exploring the stars in a way. Mm -hmm. Like it, it is a Bethesda like version of Star Trek, so to speak. But then it doesn't do all the things we'd want out of a Bethesda version of Star Trek. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was curious to hear what you were gonna say on Starfield because I've had because I know we had that initial discussion mm -hmm. in the podcast as last on, but like 
I have heard such mixed opinions on it. Like people love certain aspects of it, and then there's certain aspects of it that they're like, "Oh, this has no replayability." But then I'll have somebody tell me, "Oh my god, I love doing this," and I'm like, "Man, this this game is super divisive." I feel like in terms of whether people are really enamored by the gameplay or really divided by it. It is. I think that's. I. I that's kind of how i feel about it too it's like i am so divisive about starfield because like i like the highs of starfield like i like whenever there's a curated side quest and you can tell there's a lot of thought and a thought thought process put into that side quest i really enjoy that i want to see it through like i like the i like space exploration as far as like um dog fighting with other like with other um ships in the sky being a pirate or being like a or being like a bounty hunter and different things like that i like this in space combat i think it's like the moment to moment to where when you're not in a dedicated action feels very low like that's where it hits that like oh my goodness this is kind of like we're on a high we're exploring the stars where well i've just taken down like a whole fleet of ships by myself i'm like i have a, a crew with me that each has their own like destinated like um post on my ship that do that do different tasks i like i love that aspect but it sort of feels like they took a little bit of lessons from like mass effect of like ha of assembling this crew to for like a re like a curated mission or a curated like main story but then they didn't take what we love about doing that into into play and that's like really learning about like the crew and getting to know them sure you can get to know them you can romance them but like none of the crew members are i would say in as interesting as any of the crew members from mass effect because like spoiler alert for all you people like like spoiler alert everyone's still human like everybody in this game is still human so i'm like it's not like you're learning about like another alien <laughs> species so, so to speak it's like you're just learning about like uh, a person who lived on a different planet and that might have been like the equivalent of me living in texas and you living in california you know mm -hmm. like there's mm -hmm. some cultural differences there but we're still human we still have a lot of similarities <laughs> you know what i mean yeah yeah so i'm like there's highs there though like the the main like the 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 side quest of like the side factions just like you have in fallout where you had like where you meet all these different factions um mm -hmm. those those kind of quests are well thought out those are really cool but then like the main quest is probably one of the most boring triple a main quest i've played in a very long time to where like you are legitimately just hunting down an artifact you're mining an artifact basically and you mm -hmm. have to mine that art artifact probably like eight different times now the the location of that artifact changes per planet but it's still like you know that artifact is either going to be in a rock somewhere but oh it's in a rock somewhere in a mine this time oh it's in a rock on the planet surface this time it's in a rock in a forest this time like the whole the whole main quest is you mining this this artifact out of a rock and then you figuring out the mission of like what are these artifacts and that all that culminates to a main quest that really only has two major plot points to it and then nothing like absolutely Ooh. nothing it is that that's where i'm like mass effect feels like it like you start off with a crew and it leads and builds and builds yeah. and builds and it feels like a hollywood story starfield yeah. feels like a video game that tried to emulate a almost like a roguelike method of a main quest because mm -hmm. like once you play that main quest you start new game plus and then you basically all the the quests that you did before 
that all that history is erased and you start all over again you do it all over again mm -hmm. that's they're they're trying for the replayability of like a roguelike system but mm -hmm. in their main quest but like you're still just going and picking up artifacts artifact 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 out of a rock so yeah it's a little rough there yeah that kind of reminds me of fallout 4 because that's kind of how i felt i I invested my initial playthrough, I think, 120-something hours into it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I was super basic, and I, I just did the, um, oh, what are they, the the Freedom people. Um, uh, was it, I can't remember. Yeah. Is it the Freestar people? Oh. No, it's, um, oh, God, it's going to drive me nuts. Uh, <laughs> yeah. The, I, the guy I, who always tells me that there's another settlement under attack. <laughs> he always does that he always does it like i i played through it and you know did a ton of the side quests and and um you know played that one faction but then like the whole appeal to the replayability of fallout is you go and play the main quest through the lens of a different faction is it the but, Minuteman? Like, yes the Minuteman. thank yeah. you yeah yeah and um like the whole value of the replayability of that campaign is oh you're supposed to just go through and play it with a different faction and that gives you a different storyline and i remember at the time because i just invested all that time i went that sounds horrible like mm -hmm. i because it's like once that main campaign ends it had virtually no effect on the rest of the game no. like it, the side quests really have no overarching effect like it was just like oh okay so now this is just a survival sandbox game and just a fort builder and i was like that's a bit of a letdown so i i kind of get what you're saying and i think the same thing was kind of true of well skyrim at least had different um and oblivion yeah both had different like you know you could go do the guilds or you know there were at least other sort of kind of larger storylines that you can go and play but yeah i've always kind of found with the bethesda games the campaigns the main campaign or the main storyline has never really had all that much effect on the actual playthrough and it always feels like the overall design method is so that you'll go in and try it again with a different character but i've never been enamored enough to go back in and try it with a different character when it's like oh i've already done this side quest i already know how this side quest goes i already know how this is gonna play so i totally get that and, and here's a i think here's one of my main complaints of the the game is like it feels like it was it feels like it was developed in a bubble like a time capsule from mm -hmm. dragon ball z the hyperbolic time chamber to where like it didn't have any access to any outside information or any games that were developed after 2013 because mm -hmm. like it feels like um like say you you mentioned before you played a little bit of cyberpunk recently like mm -hmm. when you get a quest in cyberpunk like you get a quest you might complete a you'll complete that quest you get a call from whoever gave you that quest and yeah. then they'll wire you your funds right mm -hmm. so like in starfield it is that old school fallout 4 method or old school bethesda method of like i got a quest from somebody now i have to go all the way back to my quest giver mm -hmm. and basically tell them i completed my quest then they give me my reward and then we basically go along our day and it has no greater effect on the story as a as a whole like Baldur's Gate 3 which is a fantastic game and but mm -hmm. I but it does have a like you said some slow moments it's not necessarily a fast-paced environment but yeah. what Baldur's Gate 3 does well is like it's like everything you do kind of has 
uh, repercussions in the greater story are side stories yeah. around you like mm-hmm. it all feels like it feels like a lived-in world where all your actions have an effect on the world around you mm-hmm. starfield you can do a quest by the way like you can do a quest and like all like your main hub or the main city called new atlantis like the like a bomb could go off like our aliens could invade and in that and like and that can happen in a side like a side faction story and then mm-hmm. you load into that you load into that map later new atlantis is not only fine they act like uh, it's at like nothing happened and then yeah it's it's no yeah. repercussions towards like anything that's going on in the world and and the that that was a perfect example because the other example i could give was actually and this is again credit to baldur's gate because the reputation that comes with baldur's gate is your your actions have consequences mm-hmm. and the first one that my girlfriend and i faced because she played through it and it has been starting to play through it and i've played through that first opening the opening mission area was do you kill the brain or not and oh that was good we she decided to save it i decided to kill it and but when we both made our decisions it was what is the benefit to this what is the con to it like it actually makes Mm -hmm. you think about your decisions whereas like in skyrim i mean god i've played i've replayed skyrim so many times and i've gone in and and it's like, oh, I don't really care what this decision makes because it does nothing for my eventual no. playthrough. Like, I might have a guard mentioned somewhere, maybe that, oh, you're so and so who did such and such. But like, that's about as much like in or in world reaction that you're gonna get to something. So yeah, yeah, to hear that that's sort of continuing is sort of a bummer. And, and it does have light moments of those. Like, I did a quest where like I became almost like the Batman or the Batman slash Punisher of the universe, and it's called mm-hmm. the Mantis, and I'm. I'm like and then when i run into pirates so they're like oh shit it's the mantis and they fly <laughs> off real fast like you know like after that quest line that was a moment where like that where like the ramifications did come into play a little bit but like there's there's so far and few between that it feels it feels absent in the grander scope of things but but when i look at like when I look at games like Baldur's Gate, when I look at games like like Cyberpunk, um, those feel like they have like modern day, uh, I guess you could say modern day like thought processes behind them to mm-hmm. where like Cyberpunk is like, we'll wire you your money after a quest. You don't have to go back to your quest giver. And like, and also we'll tell you which quests are nearby you. So you can mm-hmm. instantly go, you can just swap over and complete those quests while you're here. Starfield is like, no, nah, man, we're, we're like fo- solely focused on that main quest. Like get to getting and and basically yeah like we'll let you we'll like you go from quest to quest and then like you're also going to have to go through that tried and true like load screens that bethesda is known for like it you remember skyrim how you go outdoor go outside do a task go inside do a task you're going to see like three load screens along the way starfield is like I go in my ship it's a load screen i dock my ship it's a load screen i fly off it's a load screen i like also i raid a ship oh it's a it's like i there's a raiding uh, like animation that's a load screen that then i can go like raid uh, raid the ship it is yeah. <laughs> and yeah. It, yeah that just especially and i think it's even worse for starfield right now because cyberpunk and shout out to my friend Spoji. I've mm-hmm. he's part of my Destiny group, and I've been living vicariously through him with with Cyberpunk because I've been hearing him play Cyberpunk all week, and been hearing him go, "Oh my God, that did that! Oh, yeah. <laughs> or, oh, I didn't know that was gonna do that!" And, and like 
to hear his reactions to everything that was going on and seeing the reviews and seeing everybody talk about cyberpunk really now being at the point where it's like okay this game is like this is what we wanted this is a top shelf game to have its comeback sort of come on the back of of uh of of starfield and sort of the very mixed responses i seem to be reading at least in terms of 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 consumers it seems mm -hmm. like the the review outlets seem to be giving it a steady eight to nine out of ten they seem to really love it which is fair i mean bethesda yeah. games are at their core really really darn good games um but yeah the consumer base definitely seems like this game is either a 10 or a 2 um, <laughs> and, and i and i have friends who <laughs> spoji in particular keeps calling it midfield yeah, <laughs> and it's like you know to to hear that i'm like it's it's such a bummer because again it's a game that i've been looking forward to and i know that we talked about how important it is for xbox to land it um and to hear how divided it seems to be placing people is really a bummer yeah you know like uh, right now uh on metacritic there's starfield sitting at a eight, like at a 81 um mm -hmm. 81 which ain't bad that means you know yeah. yeah that's not bad at all but like the user score is 6.6 .6. yeah so, so i'm like it, it it's very mixed like you said like you're saying like there are some people some outlets that are giving it a high like nines and tens and there yeah. are also some that are like i think ign gave it a straight seven and i'm like i yeah i look at starfield like like ign kind of does where i'm like i i think this is a seven out of ten ass video game but i mm -hmm. like it like an eight, <laughs> eight or a nine you know like yeah yeah it is one of those where i see so many flaws in it and i think it's crazy that you mentioned um uh, like the the rise of of cyberpunk and the glow up mm -hmm. of cyberpunk because i feel like this cyberpunk like cyberpunk had a disastrous launch and it was because of its technical issues not necessarily because of its content issues yes i think starfield is the reverse of that i feel like the i feel like its content is there i mean it's it's technically there but its content is kind of hit or miss to where i'm like there's some quality of life things that can come through updates and mods over time that's going to make it like in two years i'm i think like where Cyberpunk is now with its 2.0 version, with its with its Phantom Liberty version, the way Xbox is probably going to, you know, support this game, I feel like it's going to be the Starfield of 2025 of like, or the Cyberpunk of 2025, where like people look at that like, oh, that's a great game now, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I think the other really, 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 really important part of Bethesda games is the modding community. Yeah. So I think once the modding community really, you know sinks their teeth into that and really shapes it up i think it's gonna you know somebody's already preparing a skyrim and in starfield yeah so you know when when you're getting into those things i know that that's really gonna take off but yeah i agree i think it, it sounds like it just needs more time which it, it, it does but like the mod like so there's unofficial mods that's out right now by the way okay there's unofficial mods but like I what kind of irritated me about the unofficial mods is not that they exist, but they exist, and it makes me mad that the developers didn't already have the the stuff in there. That means like, oh yeah, it's like two weeks after the game was out, there was already mods that unlocked 60 FPS, which means like this game probably could have been 60 <laughs> FPS a while ago. 
You know, like yeah. there's also mods that uh, that enable you to skip the the animations of like the docking and undocking process, like mm. that basically take up like ten seconds that leads into another load mm-hmm. screen. Mm-hmm. There's also like a mod that eliminates um where it's like it's called free sale where it lim- like cuts that loading time in like half basically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm like, that's crazy to me that like there was mods two weeks at- later that do all that, and I'm like. <laughs> two weeks the developers couldn't have done that at that point they have a bigger budget <laughs> you know <laughs> yep yep they have a bigger budget i'm like these people are just like wizards i get it but like there's probably only one of them and they create this mod you know yeah the only the only counterpoint i can offer to it is it i i know this is a developer at least in my time of developing yeah. where it's like you almost get tunnel vision so like That's true. a really really good example for us was um i remember when we were doing play testing we were just pulling everybody i mean my dad's like a lifelong gamer so we were asking him all kinds of questions and we were talking about like how to make movement more dynamic we're like what if we try flying and what if we do this and what and he was like well, why are we even doing this to begin with? And it was like sort of that that question that took us back out of it that was like, oh, okay, well, this is how we can actually improve movement. And then so we sort of broke it down in simpler terms to where we could pursue those things. And I, probably I would assume with Bethesda, same thing, where they get into a mindset where they're like, okay, this is how we need this to function. I bet this would be really, really cool. And as opposed to it actually functioning the way that I think most consumers want it, it, it functions the way Bethesda wants it. And then they look at it after the fact and go, oh, yeah, that didn't work. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, I think that's that's like what I was saying earlier with that time bubble situation to where like yeah. they they were locked in the chamber, yep. so to speak, and didn't get word from like anyone or everyone. Because like I know it had to go through some level of playtesting, but oh, it felt yeah. like it went through internal playtesting more so than like hey, yeah. we're exposing this to the out out of people in the world, you know? Oh, a hundred percent. I feel like I in terms of seeing actual physical gameplay, I know that Starfield did their presentation. Wasn't it at like the 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 Xbox conference? Yeah. But like, from what I remember, that was it. Like yeah. you got a peek of it there, and then they've held this thing behind the curtain for most of its development time. So yeah, I don't I don't think you're wrong. I think a lot of the internal playtesting that probably happened was behind closed doors with people that probably aren't even allowed to tell you no, that they were sure playtesting it. For sure not. For sure not. <laughs> But yeah, I've been I've been playing Starfield. Um, I've reached uh the point of no return. I think where I'm I'm done with Starfield. I think because I I beat the main story. I think I've done majority of the faction quest as well. So I think mm-hmm. I'm like at this point, I don't think there's anything left to do in the game that I, that doesn't necessarily feel like a big revelation or a big like new thing that would basically astound me at this point. So I feel like I kind of had my feel of it. So I think I'll probably move on to the the next game um outside of that i've been playing an indie game called gunbrella um oh yeah um it is i know it was published by uh digital uh devolver digital but yeah but it's a really cool indie game basically you're playing as a a cowboy who has a a gunbrella basically a gun umbrella (laughs) and and it's a fun little action action uh, like action adventure platformer as well so i'm like i've been playing that and really enjoying that i played goodbye volcano high which is on the opposite end of the spectrum to where it is basically kind of like a life is strange 
um ah. yeah kind of like a life is strange um visual novel type of game mm-hmm. where you play as dinosaurs and the dino yeah you play as like <laughs> these anthropomorphic dinosaurs who find out like uh, it, like it's rumored that hey a comet's coming our way and this might be the end of us all but like we're also teenagers who kind of want to see kind of want to live our lives and we have college ambitions and we actually have a band and you know like the end of the world might be coming but like what do we do do we can continue to live our lives or do we just prepare for the end of the world you know god i love indie games <laughs> I do too. I do too. <laughs> I do too. That's where the uh, that's why I feel like like creative people get to really shine and showcase their creativity. Oh yeah, yeah. I don't I don't think you'll be seeing Bethesda making anything like no. that anytime no. soon. <laughs> no, but but yeah, it's it's like and ever since I got the Steam Deck, you know, like that's kind of like the games I've been gravitating to is like those indies I can sit on the couch and just like enjoy. It's almost like. Uh, it's almost like enjoying a small one season show of a Netflix show, you know, where I can just gobble gobbles a new concept up at every sitting versus like Starfield. I know like that's a that's a show I'm in for for the long haul. Like that is a movie and marathon. Basically, I got Starfield is the equivalent of watching all the Star Trek shows right now to where like at point blank, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, I can relate. Destiny's the same way, except uh sort of the beauty of destiny is we get a new season every three months they're like oh you like season 18 here's 19 here's 20 (laughs) (laughs) you just keep going through it so with destiny do you yeah is there an end in sight like uh, do we is there an end game approaching or anything no actually i was gonna talk about um the loop of this because what you were sort of noting in starfield it's like okay you know because starfield is so narratively driven um you know you play through like you were talking about the main campaign you play through the factions and it's like what more can you actually get from it and it's sort of destiny is like the total opposite of that because yes there's a narrative yes there's a story so like obviously the campaign is not something i find myself replaying often like i i have a new friend i've been taken through there and so i'll replay it and go oh yeah that was a fun mission um but because the loot is such a central focus, like all of the replayability is coming from, oh, I want to go get this thing and I want to get that thing and I want to get this and I want to get that. And so like my joy specifically in Destiny really comes from when a new season drops, what's the loot pool? What am I looking at? What are the new weapons coming in? What has rotated out? Um, and when you're looking at the new pool, then my, where I spend probably more time than I do on Destiny is on a website called D2 Foundry, where they have a database of all of the weapons. And so you can go <laughs> through and be like, okay, well, how does it work with this barrel? And how does it work with this mag? And what if I set it up with these two perks? And okay, what if I set it up with this exotic armor piece with these mods? And you can really get lost in the sauce on that website because you can really figure out what it is that you're looking for. Um, So for instance, this week, and on the PVE side of things, there is a bow that just came in called Pre-Astionics. 
and it is one of the it is the first uh, adept bow so for endgame content at least uh, that's not raiding there is a playlist called the vanguard playlist and that's like you know your regular campaign missions and stuff like that and they have what are known as uh grandmaster versions of it so they have different difficulty levels and on grandmaster you have a certain number of revives and if your whole team wipes you get sent back to orbit and you have to start from the beginning and like it's like the ultimate challenge is that you're going through and doing it and in particular this week is a really really difficult grandmaster probably one of the hardest in the game but like that bow is there and so my my buddies and i are always going okay we gotta go back in okay we gotta go back in because it's like you want to get that particular role because it's like oh if i get that particular role and i was very fortunate rn jesus as we call him uh blessed me yesterday by giving me <laughs> a really good role i gave me the the exact role that i was looking for and so i was messaging my buddy all day that i'm like oh man i can't wait to hop into pvp today and use this new bow and and because that loot grind is always there it's always this idea of okay what are the things that i really want what am i going to use those things in and then when you get that item you feel more inclined to go and play those different playlists of those different activities because you're like i want to use my new toy um so for me at least that's 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 why there's no end in sight is they they just keep dropping things that where i go now, if I paired that with this and I set it up like this, that could be really good. And it's always really fun to then, you know, you get the chase for that specific piece of loot and then you go and use that specific piece of loot in whatever content that you're looking to play it in. Okay, so you've been playing Destiny for years now. Like, um, Bungie announced um, Marathon's coming back. Does that mm -hmm. intrigue you at all? Like, or do you feel like not a chance in hell that you're getting off of Destiny to play Marathon? So Marathon is supposed to be a extraction shooter. And okay. extraction shooters are cool. And I am, I would be lying if I told you I wasn't slightly intrigued. But at the same time, I mean, Destiny just offers so much that it's like, I can't, I can't really step away from, from wanting to play it. Like even we, we talk about um, with the seasons, cause the seasons are a specific, you know, amount of time and you develop such, you know, big relationships with all the people that you're playing with all the time that like more than half the draw, I think with Destiny is also the people I'm playing with and wanting to play with those people all the time. Um, but then like, even if those guys aren't online, it's like, okay, well then I go and still find something to do. So um, early on this season, uh, we had sort of a slow weekend where uh, there wasn't really anything to get loot wise. And, you know, the DDoSing was happening. So it was like, you really don't want to get into any activity that was like actually important because there's a good chance you're gonna get booted. So like, you know, I would just load up a dungeon for the fun of it and see if I could solo it. You know, it was, it, it's those kinds of things where I keep finding these moments where I would think, oh, I'm not gonna play this anymore. But then I go and do something like that. And it almost empowers me to want to go and try other things and keep sort of pushing the boundaries of my skill abilities, as well as just trying to push the, the, the limits of the game to their max you're playing this on pc right yes okay gotcha gotcha so like do you you're playing with a massive keyboard obviously if you're playing on mm -hmm. pc right because mm -hmm. i'm like there's no chance like you're going to be as competitive on a controller right uh, yes and no okay. i think the it's a skill thing it, it definitely is a skill thing like 
if you had sort of a new M and M and K player going up against a veteran controller player, veteran controller player would probably win. And sort of the same thing, like uh, you know, like one of the people that I'm actually learning how to play multiplayer from, he's a he's a controller player, and I mean, I've seen him mop the floor with PC people, and Nova. it it really just comes down to like how much how much you know and how much you're willing to put to the test so like one of the joys that i'm finding recently with multiplayer is you know i think in most people's typical multiplayer experience they go oh i'm gonna take the assault rifle i'm gonna take my grenades and i'm gonna go in there and just lay out the fun that i'm finding is the you know ttk which you know time to kill is a relative value how can we get that as low as possible by doing something insane and so lately, the fun that I'm having is bow swapping. So I get a bow, I get my draw time, I hit my first arrow, and then how quickly can I swap to my next weapon to get that one shot off, <laughs> to kill them instantly, to lower the TTK to an absolutely crazy number? And and that's why I end up spending so much time on D2 Foundries. It's like, okay, how can I reduce my swap time by 0.05 milliseconds and really get that number as finite as possible? And it's, you know, it's when you're running a build like that, like you might come up against somebody who's like one of the craziest pulse rifle users you've ever seen. But it's like, if you land first arrow and then quickly swap, it's like your TTK is like 0.55 seconds. And it's like, doesn't matter how good they are with the pulse yeah. rifle, they're gone. <laughs> so <laughs> it, it's it's those kinds of things that it's like, yeah, it, it's the game has so much limitless possibility within the sandbox that it's like if you really invest your time into really trying to learn all the different ways to take advantage of the mechanics within the game, there's just it's it's just a it's a never-ending sandbox. Uh, so I'm, I we have a, a, a person who wrote in and I want to address their question mm-hmm. on this episode. But like before we get to that, I want to talk to you about a couple of new, uh, news articles, specifically mm-hmm. about that we had some craziness go on um, over the last couple of weeks with this uh, little known company. You, you may have heard of them, you may not if you've been in games, called Unity. Unity came out a couple of weeks ago with a, some a new pricing structure. Um, and, you know, Let's just say many people weren't impressed with what the, the news that they had. It was uh, Twitter or X or whatever you want to call it was aflame. You know, like people were burning trash in the streets and everything like that. It was it was the equivalent. This was the video game equivalent of LeBron James announcing he was going to Miami, basically. Like this was this was all the talks in the gaming industry. You know, like Alec, I want I want to get your take. Like, was were people overreacting with the the Unity news, or was, was like the was it's warranted? The it's, appropriate. It, it, it's 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 very warranted. Okay. Like, to I was trying to find examples today to like really cover this so that like people could really understand like what was being done to developers and like. The perfect example that I could find was say that you're an indie developer. So you're you're I'm indie company and I sell my game, the indie game, right? And I sell twenty thousand copies of it at ten thousand dollars, which was essentially Unity's measuring stick. They're like, hey, if you've made two hundred thousand dollars or you've hit two hundred thousand downloads, then that's when we're gonna start taking 
this this chunk of change. And to a lot of people, it didn't sound like, especially I think to a lot of people from an outside perspective, it doesn't sound like it's that much, but it was 20 cents per download, which again, doesn't sound like a tremendous amount, but when we're dealing in such high volume, it becomes a big deal. And the way that I was sort of thinking about it today is, okay, so I sell my 20,000 you know, copies at $10, okay, and I sell it on Steam. Well, Steam takes 33% of that. So they take $66,000. So now I'm down to $134,000. And depending on how many downloads are occurring is going to dictate how much that's going to eat into my budget. Not to mention all of the other costs that you have with how much you have to pay at the end of the year with taxes, how much you're paying for third party, uh, other third party software or third party vendors. Like, are you having people do the artwork for you? Or are you doing the art in house? You're doing the music in house. So you have all of these other accrued costs and the big issue with it is, okay, so you're sitting at your $134,000. Okay. Now you have to pay, let's say that you're a company of, you know, three employees. Well, now each employee is getting $44,000, which is, you know, solid, but for a lot of people across, especially the United States, $44,000 is not a salary, especially with today's rising costs and things. That's a really sustainable living cost that you're going to be able to continue with. And that's before all of these other costs have been factored into it. And in the case of Unity, right? So if I'm at 200000 if my company's made two hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars and they're taking twenty cents off, let's say, uh, so that's twenty thousand downloads. So if you're twenty thousand downloads, let's say that each user downloads your game three times, so that's sixty thousand, right? That's another twelve thousand dollars out of your pocket, and that's at three downloads per user. That's and crazy. If, and if you're getting users that are doing this ten, fifteen, twenty times then it starts to get really, really costly. You're looking at upwards of $40,000, dollars $60,000 of your $200,000 that is now going to Unity. So you've lost a third to Steam, you've lost upwards of potentially a third to Unity, you only have a third for your company, and that third is going towards employee salaries, it's going towards all your taxes, all of your other vendors, like it's pushing companies to the brink. And that's sort of the big issue is depending on how Unity defines it, because they also didn't define it to people that were using Unity, like that number could be substantial. Like for instance, oh, yeah, for sure. like Cyberpunk is a really good example, right? So because the DDoS was happening, one day I started up the Cyberpunk download and my computer crashed. So I had to restart the download. Well, does that count as one continuous download or is that two downloads? I would imagine two. Right? Yeah. So then what happens if I lose, what, what happens if I decide, oh, you know what? Cyberpunk is too big for my CPU to handle right now. So I cancel the download. And then two days later, I delete something and go, oh man, I really want to play Cyberpunk. And I start a third download. I haven't even fully downloaded the game. All I've had are three attempts to download the game. And that would cost use that would cost the devs three download attempts. Yeah. So I know people in their mind go, Oh, I download the game once and then it stays on there and maybe I delete it, maybe I download it one more time. But depending on how that process is occurring, for the average number of users who are playing it, you have no idea. And then 
The second part of that is, so that's for the people who are downloading your game legally. Yeah. What about the people who acquired copies through non-legal means where, oh, where you rough. get pirated and they're monitoring that? then you're getting charged for the pirated too. And that's where it starts to become a, you're now paying for copies that are being downloaded that you're not even in control of or received financial uh, compensation for, they are, you're getting charged for those downloads. And it, for a lot of companies, it is just, especially indie devs where yeah. Unity is such a huge focus, like, Indie devs do not have the resources or the means to be able to take on those things for no. a lot of them being solo devs or small teams. I mean, sure, if you're being, you know, bankrolled by companies within the industry, but you're still an independent studio, of course, you can maybe finagle it a little bit, but it's like you're not able to really I think a lot of consumers are not able to fully grasp like how much that 20 cents is enormous in the long term run of the game, given that there's so many factors that go into what dictates a download and what doesn't dictate a download, how much budget use or indie companies actually have, how much they have to give to everything else. It, it I totally understand why companies were like, I want nothing to do with this and why companies were essentially the really big problem with it is because they're taking unity out of the loop people aren't as familiar with other smaller engine options so they're yeah. going to places like unreal and the more that unreal is being empowered the more that they can then take advantage of their power as well to do those kinds of things so it, it's really this horrible loop that was occurring and i and i happy unity has walked it back but i totally understand why unity developers are are really not trusting the system and wanting to use that software to develop their their uh their program man it's it's a bummer it really is and when you lay it out like that the way it's costing so many people without them actually having any input over that it's like that's crazy because i'm part of the problem too like i will play a game and delete it off my hard drive because like yeah. I only got so much room on my hard drive and I get so many games, you know, every month and I'm like, oh man, it's like, but I get a hankering to play it again. Or like, like you said, with cyberpunk, like, uh, man, I, I cannot tell you how many sports games I've downloaded and <laughs> just re-download and I'm done with you, man. You, you're you like 60 to 120 gigs. I gotta, gotta delete you to play something else. Yeah, it, it's, it's, yeah the fact that they weren't willing to define what constitutes a download or not is really fishy it's like i if you're not gonna tell me where my money is going and defining where that download is coming from whether it was oh that person's wi-fi went out or oh they are just installing and reinstalling the game or you know somebody on a different market gets a hold of a cd key or gets a hold of a copy of your game and is playing it and is downloading it and you're not even getting any financial uh, restitution for what's happening it, then you're paying for things that are again so far outside of the control of of, of indie developers that already don't have the, the resources yeah. to be able to do these things it's i i was dumbfounded that that was the case that that's the way that unity wanted to proceed man it's it's absolutely crazy i you know like are you happy with the the new business structure that they do have in place now or do you feel like it's it's just slightly better than what they did earlier 
so I I haven't heard a whole lot. Okay. I just I I have heard that they've walked it back and they're sort of taking an unreal approach. Um, which is you make so much money and then we get a certain percentage after you make that amount of money. Um, and that seems to be a deal that a lot of particularly indie, indie developers are okay with. Um, for example, right? So when you're developing a game, you might have an idea of a scope of, oh, I want to sell this many copies. And when you're, you know, picking an engine developer, say Unreal, for instance, right? Um, Unreal is like, hey, if you make... I think their deal is, hey, if you make like three or four million dollars, then we take like one percent or two percent. Um, but uh, Unreal's goal is not indie developers; they're looking for the big AAA developers, right? Because a AAA, the Starfield, right? So say they develop Starfield on Unreal, then for Epic, you know, they're making one to two percent off of Starfield, and they've had to do nothing other than provide the engine-based code for it, and for them that's <laughs> that's a big yeah. fish to get whereas like you know for your typical indie developer if they're selling maybe 10 20k copies you know over the lifetime of a game like chances are you're not going to be hitting that 3 million mark so for a lot of these developers that's good like that's oh cool i get access to all the unreal things i you know get access to all the community aspects of it that i can you know sort of take and use in my game and do those kinds of things and if i hit it big well i've already hit it big that's really cool i don't mind that i'm giving unreal a certain change of that because then i'm doing well myself um and i think i believe that's the same case with unity i think they said oh if you make a million or two million dollars then we get 2.5 percent or something after that mark and for most for for a lot of indie developers that's great yeah like that that's a good deal because unfortunately chances are you're probably <laughs> not making that off of a single game unless you really hit it big and if you do that's great but if, i think for most developers especially a lot of solo developers like that's a deal that you're definitely going to want to take the biggest problem that i'm hearing is people have just lost trust with unity they yeah. just don't even want to risk the opportunity of potentially something like that being pulled out from under them again and given that sort of price that 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 price they just don't want to be uh don't want to have that dropped on them yeah um so i'm reading right here on polygon um <laughs> that let's see it's basically saying um unity technologies announced um this past friday that will no longer force developers into that fee structure for the current version of unity software but said that the fee will apply to future versions of the engine should a developer choose to update however people using unity personnel won't have to pay at all developers can use unity personnel the free version of the engine as long as their company's combined funding and revenue stays below 200 grand an increase from the current $100,000 cap um, unity okay. also said for situations where the runtime fee does apply it will kick in only when a project has met the two thresholds 1 million in gross revenue over the past 12 months and okay. 1 million initial engagements which is the fancy but more precise term that unity is using in its installs basically plan developers mm -hmm. of unity pro and unity enterprise plans will only see the fees starting with the new versions of unity which is called 2023 lts which is expected to ship in 2024. Mm. okay so it's a slight walk back but it still doesn't yeah. sound like a complete walk back no there. that's not a complete walk back i mean 
It that one won't affect most like, developers. Most right? deve I that one sounds like that probably won't affect most developers, but even still, I mean, there's so many other engines that are offering a better deal that like and i do understand unity has to meet its bottom line and i yeah. get that you know unity is in a very difficult place right now financially um they had a really big loss over this fiscal year and they've lost out a lot to uh unreal they've lost out a lot to godot um there's a lot of other really good options out there and i understand that unity has to do what they have to do in order to meet their bottom line but yeah they the initial plan that was rolled out, I think, for most developers was not going to work. And I would still be reluctant to take a deal like that, especially if they're going to be basing it off of installs, because over the lifetime of a game, you have no idea where, again, if, especially if they're not going to define where those installs are coming from, um, that that can be super problematic. I know. Um, I know. Most of the time, um, you've used a custom engine, right? Like, yes. what would you say for a person who's hearing all this news? Like, what engine would you recommend to them if they don't, if they can't go custom? Godot. 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 Yeah. Godot is. Um, what's the? I'm looking for the word. It was. It's. It's kind of like Blender, where it's nonprofit. Mm -hmm. So the. The engine is offered for free to developers to really take advantage of. I believe there are levels to it. I could be wrong. Um, but Godot, as much as I hate to say it, Unreal, I mean, yeah. especially with the latest deal that they're offering, I mean, it's chances are that it's going to affect a lot of developers who are getting into it is probably low. And ultimately, you're getting experience with like one of the most universally used engines in the world, which is also really important to have. Um, so Unreal, Godot. And I mean, in actuality, like if you're not able to do a custom engine, I can totally understand going those routes. But like if you feel confident enough to try your hand at it, I think it's worth it. I think. Yeah. Like, I know for us to not have to worry about giving a percentage of our profits to um, another software developer in terms of continuous profits over time is really, really, really appealing and really puts you in a place where you're not, you know, solely reliant on another company to really lift you up. Obviously, there are, um, there are pros and cons to each. Having to build your own is very complicated <laughs> and a lot of work um whereas if you know i know that if our company had used unreal or unity like we probably would have been able to turn out games a lot quicker just because mm -hmm. we have access to uh an engine that has the features already baked in yeah. um and then it just becomes a matter of coding the game that you want um but yeah, I highly encourage anybody that if if they're looking to build their own engine, I say go for it. There's it, there's so many resources online. There's so much help that people are willing to give. And depending on the scope and scale of your game, if you're not if you're doing things like you know little card games or you're doing games that are not uh, technically demanding, there's a lot of good options for uh, getting those games out quickly through um, through creating your own engine. So.
yeah uh that sounds good i like i didn't know about godot but like um while you were talking i looked up um some games that were created using godot and which mm-hmm. includes um brotato which i've heard heard of before mm-hmm. um and then uh another one which is like one of i think is probably going to be an indie game of the year contender it's um cassette beast the no, i don't know if i've heard of that one um, cassette beast is like a um almost like a cool take on on the monster fighting um system kind of like pokemon ah, okay you transform um transform into monsters using retro cassette tapes <laughs> yeah. oh, that's cool <laughs> yeah so you record a, you record a monster to a tape and then you play it back to take on its form in battle that's it's, cool yeah so it's kind of like it's kind of like a weird I have weird musical uh, old school 90s version of mm-hmm. like Pokemon with all these 90s ideas thrown into it. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's a, it's a really cool game. It's currently um, on all platforms, I believe. I know if right now if you're an Xbox Game Pass user, it's also on Game Pass. Oh, yeah. So I'm like, if you all are interested, definitely go check that out. But yeah, um, Godot looks like a really cool engine. I didn't I didn't even know about it. Yeah, I I have never really dipped my feet into the engine space as a whole, given that we've always built in house. Um, and so now that we, I mean, we're still building in house and still looking at options, but I know that with everything that was going on with unity, I was really curious to see what other people are using. Um, Cause I imagine unity is going, <laughs> is going to definitely <laughs> lose some people. So. Yeah. So um really quick here um tokyo burger wrote into the show um and he wrote in a question this week and i want to read out his question because i think you are a perfect guest for this type of question tokyo burger wrote in hey sebastian i recently started playing the game boulder skate 3 and larian is kings of storytelling i would like to see them take on another DD type game outside of fantasy though what ip would you like to see larian tackle Star Trek. Star Trek is tough mm-hmm. because it does have technical aspects to it in the sense of there's a lot of techno babble, but like I feel like you could probably get away with it. Star Wars would also be fun. I once ran a Star Wars home baked D campaign. For a couple of uh chapters and that was a lot of fun to do um i mean i've i would always love to see like a lord of the rings like a really common like That'd fantasy yeah. yeah like I'd, I'd love to see those kinds of things as well but i also like the creativity that comes with Baldur's Gate that they aren't necessarily locked behind an ip that they can sort of take advantage of really building their own universe because the other my biggest problem with ips is you know they set universe rules and so you know when you step outside those universe rules people are like what you can't do that so um but yeah i think star wars star trek lord of the rings probably do what battlestar galactica i mean you got all kinds of great ips that would i think work really really well in the DD space Oh, that would be really cool. I, you know, like, I know this is a genre that's probably been beat to death, but I would love to see a zombie type of, uh, uh-huh. zombie type of, mm-hmm. um, not, not necessarily Walking Dead, but maybe like something similar to like mm-hmm. a Walking Dead, a Dead style game to where like you're surviving and you kind of have to like 
figure out like uh, the roles uh the roles might input like damage or like you might kill a person based on like the roles and such like that uh like y'all have a voting system on who gets voted <laughs> out of your sanctuary <laughs> you know like it seems like that'd be kind of a cool little take on on the D genre i like so, that so last of us yeah basically <laughs> basically <laughs> That would be cool, like a Last of Us universe, like, yeah, kind of like what you're saying, like a sanctuary kind of thing, where, you know, yeah. you're having to venture out and go get supplies, and you're dealing with, you know, rival cities, and dealing with rival, you know, little little governments, things like that. Yeah, I think that would be brilliant. I like that, I like that. So, yeah, I, I definitely think those two, um, definitely somewhere in the space genre, like you were saying, or Lord of the Rings genre, and then probably zombies. But thank you for writing in Tokyo Burger. Um, you can all, all write in at the perimeterreport.com on the contact page or, you know, through our Discord channel. But, you know, Alec, I do have an I do have one last major topic that I wanted to discuss with you. It is a fun one here. Um, well, two micro, I, I guess a mini one before that, because have you heard of Star Trek Resurgence? The I game? have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have, have you thought about checking that out? I have. Yeah, it's it's currently in the backlog. Okay. <laughs> okay. So if if the server goes down for for two weeks on Destiny, <laughs> you might be able to kick it kick it off. Huh? Exactly. Yeah, it looks like a fun time. I like Telltale games, and yes. you know, and that's one of those um, Telltale style games that I I would kind of be interested in checking out because I. I recently got into the show The Orville recently mm-hmm. and mowed mowed that down. So maybe that that was like my gateway into Star Trek now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you gotta do it. You gotta do it. Gotta do it. <laughs> <laughs> gotta do it. All right. So what I wanted to talk to you before I I brought that up is um you know there's we talked about Unity. A game was canceled. Um a, a game was canceled due to like the controversial changes with Unity. It was basically a switch port. It looks like of um as of a game called ballistic ng ready um it looks like it was canceled due to the the new unity requirements and the new unity um specifications like do you feel like this is going to have a big impact for years to come like on how many unity based games we see coming out of the block oh for sure like i said i think if anything that unity has done particularly negatively they have ruined their customer base relationship i mean um they're kind of in sort of that cd project red position where when cyberpunk first dropped right everybody kept going this is not what you advertise to us like you know all of the versions uh historically that made it into the hands of play testers were all pc based nobody had tried out the last gen consoles and you know when people who pre-ordered cyberpunk for things like playstation 4 or, um you know or what was it xbox one they received mm-hmm. their copies they received a technical mess um and really felt like they had been duped and i think this is the same thing i think developers are very cautious right now to take anything that unity says or does with a grain of salt um yeah just because they could switch it at any given moment. And especially when you are so invested into a development cycle. I mean, look at something like Starfield. You know, I think Todd Howard has talked about how that game has been in development for 20 years. 
Um, imagine like, you know, you wanted to develop a game in Unity. Let's say you were a AAA developer and you wanted to develop a game in Unity and Unity's uh, established rule set is changing so quickly and in uh, in a way that is so volatile for developers that probably not an engine you want to invest that sort of time into or even cyberpunk right cyberpunk mm -hmm. was another game that was in development for seven years i mean if you're a solo dev or you're an indie dev team um that has you know publisher following or publisher backing um and you're looking to undertake sort of creating a game like uh, uh no man's sky where you know that game's taking years to development that develop you're probably not going to be picking unity right now um given how how quickly their terms and conditions are changing um so yeah i think this is something that's going to have an enormous impact on the games that you're going to be seeing i think it's certainly going to have an impact on uh, the type of games you're going to be seeing right so the games that unity does really well the card games the um point and click adventures the 2d side scrollers the games that unity really excels at I think the landscape for those games is going to change a lot and especially depending on where those developers choose to go will dictate sort of the new features that will stem from it. Maybe we'll even see some really cool things and different things emerging from people having a different access to different engines. Um, so I, I'm very curious to see long term what the impacts are. But yeah, as a as a developer right now, I, I think they've absolutely destroyed their their trust in their in their customer base. Yeah, uh, for sure. Cult of the Lamb, which was um, a massive hit last year, um, mm -hmm. they tweeted out when um, all this was going on. They said, buy Cult of the Lamb now because we're deleting it on January 1st. Yeah. And yeah, I'm like, Digital Devolver basically said um, in, a, in a tweet as well, um, definitely include what engine you're using in game, um, in game pitches going forward. Like, yeah. that's it's massive. It, it's changed yeah. everything. Um, like, I can only imagine what, like, games that were developed or like in mid-development are thinking right now when you see like games like hollow knight and such like that you know it's it's crazy it's this is going to be changing a lot going forward another like some other notable games that were developed in new um unity hollow knight six song marvel snap um pokemon brilliant diamond and shining pearl fall guys cuphead outer worlds tunic genshin impact um Hok uh, honk was it honkai honkai um honkai star rail there we go honkai star rail i'm like all developed in unity speaking of changes though i i want to switch gears because like i i want to make sure we get to our major story um uh, playstation um chief is set to retire next year jim ryan did you know this oh, no i didn't know that jim ryan who's been with the company for nearly 30 years um is set to retire by march of next year it looks like they they announced today so this is breaking news today mm -hmm. yeah uh like i don't necessarily know if this is going to change anything for playstation but it does feel like the changing of a guard so to speak yeah that's that's that could be an enormous change depending yeah. on depending on what they want to do moving forward because yeah I mean, you even think about um, uh, that, like a change that I noticed recently was with Disney, right? So they mm -hmm. switched, they went for Bob Iger retired and then Bob Chapek took over yeah. and then they're back to Iger. And it's like, you saw sort of the downtrend from Iger to Chapek. 
And mm -hmm. Iger still really has yet to level, <laughs> level the ship in its current state. Um, but yeah, that could have tremendous repercussions depending on uh, how it shifts the, the company's focus in terms of their game development or how they want to continue developing games. Yeah. Um, particularly uh, PlayStation exclusives. Um, Man, given, that's going to hurt if, if yeah. they change directions on PlayStation exclusives because I think that's their bread and butter is like these yes. major story-based like PlayStation exclusives that they have. I'm looking forward to Spider-Man in a couple of weeks, but just yeah. because like the way they've been doing like their, their storytelling in games is like no one else is doing that right now. Yeah. And so I, I would hope that they keep the ship going and yeah. <laughs> in its current direction because I think the PlayStation exclusives have been for the last ten, for what ten years, ten fifteen years have been mm -hmm. tremendous. I mean, oh, yeah, the, the Last of Us, Uncharted, the Spider Man games, God of War, God of War, um, oh, Horizon, Forbidden West, Ghost of Tsushima. Go, thank you. That was the one yeah. I was thinking of. Yeah, I mean, there's so many many good games that have come out of. Um, sony's playstation exclusives that i would be really really sad if they they shifted away from it yeah um speaking of shifts um a big shift is like the sag and af was the aftra mm -hmm. uh, members have voted in favor of video game strike mm -hmm. uh, did you hear about this as well wait they voted in favor of a video game strike yeah so the sag and um af was the af atra atra mm -hmm. Members have so. voted to authorize a strike against the video game industry. The vote was, yeah, yeah, this is um, Variety reporting, by the way. Um, <laughs> the vote was 98.32% in favor of the strike authorization against 10 major video game companies with 34,687 members casting ballots representing 27.47 of uh, 27 of el eligible voters basically 27 percent mm -hmm. of eligible voters while the authorization does not guarantee a work stoppage will occur the vote permits a, a union negotiators to call for a strike for a new interactive media agreement if necessary this i think that's phenomenal huge. Yeah, yeah this is huge man yeah that there um there are a lot of ways that AAA companies have conducted business over the last 20 years um, that have not caught up to where they need to be um, i know that uh, programmers and development teams are unionizing and are trying to find ways to not get caught in the as i call it the cd project red storm yeah which was you know a company that pushed its development team to the absolute brink of what people should be forced to work um so given the practices of a lot of companies in terms of how they treat their development teams not surprised that that voice actors and performers are and i assume writers as well are probably feeling similarly that they are not being paid in the way that they probably should be yeah and i am fully in favor of them taking on a strike i think that's great i think so too did you did you hear about the the projected companies or anything I, like that? no i haven't heard anything about this today okay. so this is to me that's wonderful news but yeah I <laughs> the video game companies facing a potential strike include activision um Good. blind light LL, uh, blind light llc disney character voices inc um ea um 
Formosa Interactive LLC um, Insomniac Games. Oof. Um, Epic Games, Take Two Production Inc., Voice Work Productions, and WB Inc. WB Games Inc. Wow, that's that's quite the uh, that's the list right there. That's quite the list. I I remember earlier this year, um, like the big news that came out of Activision Blizzard was that the one of the development teams had had unionized and it started a gamer a game workers union. Um, so to to see uh my 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 brothers and sisters who are all developing to see them taking advantage of this of of i think a really uh uh vocal and present um strike that just occurred with you know the writers and actors strike that was occurring i think to see them now taking up the mantle as well to try to continue to get better change within our industry is phenomenal I'm gonna be honest. If if this calls for a halt for video game production for um for people to get more pay, I'm all for it, man. I'm like, get oh, yeah. get more pay, get better rights and stuff like that. I'm all for it. Not to mention, like 2023 has been a hell of a year of video games. We could, if 2024 comes out with another <laughs> burger, I think we we still gonna be good. Cause I'm like, we got a lot to catch up on. Cause I'm like, man, we we're just dropping dimes left and right in 2023. Yeah, and I yeah, like I said, I think it's just phenomenal i'm yeah. so happy to hear that because i the horror stories i've heard of of devs working 16 18 20 hour work weeks just or work days just to get a game across the line because a publisher has an idea of that this game needs to come out on this specific day and the effects that has not only on the development team but the consumers as well we saw it with games like battlefield um and cyberpunk and countless other AAA games that have released in what many people consider to be an underbaked state so to to see them unionizing and striking i think is phenomenal i'm fully in favor of them doing so because yeah i think it's a it's an industry that needs to catch up with uh treating its uh its employees right yeah you're not lying man um wait man this has been really interesting um i wanted to ask you though like do you feel like do you feel like you're going to be playing anything else besides Destiny for the rest of the year or do you feel like <laughs> Destiny's got a, a vice grip on you? Yeah, Destiny's got the vice grip. It's hard okay. to it's like I was even talking about my buddies with this cuz we just had um our day one raid. So the way that the the rating system has worked with with Destiny is you have your first initial season of a DLC or new campaign drop, and then you have a, an original raid that drops with it. So you go and do the brand new raid, you got your DLC, you got all the new fun things, you're learning the new aspects of it. And then you have sort of a break season where you get a new dungeon, and then you have like all your new weapons and things. But we had a new raid drop this season. So we went in on the day one and we tried for challenge mode. We spent like 20 hours in there. We unfortunately didn't get it. But um, like there was a lot of fun going in and doing that. And, you know, like I said, there's so many of these new weapons and things drop that I'm like, I was even telling my buddies today that I'm like, okay, once I'm done and I get the raid exotic and I do all these things for the next couple of weeks, then I can just have a couple of weeks just to go play with all my new things <laughs> and go enjoy them. And it's like, by the time you get to actually enjoy those things, a new season rolls in and then there's all these other things that drop. And it's like, oh my God, it's just a never they know how to hit the dopamine they just are like yeah you get that gun yeah okay you got it now cool well now there's a new season so get back to grind i love so. that i love that 
All right, so uh, my last segment, you you did really well last time. I'm going to give you a, um, a quick video game trivia questions and, and such like that, you know, like our pro nerd trivia portion of the show. And mm-hmm. you did really well because you are in our Hall of Fame. You're you're one of two right now. Like, I want to see if you can repeat the process really quick. Are you okay. down? Yeah, you know it. All right, here we go. So our first question is in the realm of action movies. Action okay. So is it Elsa again? <laughs> nah, nah, it's not Elsa again. It's not Elsa again. I love, I love how you remember that. That's so funny. That's so funny. Oh man, I can't believe it did that. I just can't believe it did that. <laughs> constituted that as as an action movie. I just, well, who does that? All right. Um, I guess I I don't know if I consider this an action movie either, but we'll see. Um, what are the bad guys called in the Transformer series? The Decepticons? Yeah, that is absolutely okay. correct. Okay, cool. I, I was I was almost considering that more as sci-fi movies, but you know. <laughs> yeah, My Transformers kind of... knowledge is next to nothing. So that worked out well then. That worked out well. Yeah. Our next category is in probably your favorite IP in the world. It is Star Trek. All right. All right, Star Trek. All right. So in Star Trek. Oof. I I think like it raised it gave me an easy level question. I sort of would have raised the bar for you for you because you're like, you're a, you're an expert here at, the, at Star Trek. Oh, I I don't know about expert. All right, all right. So I'm gonna go to I'm gonna go to medium level. All right. Okay. What is the what is the military rank of Doctor Julian? Um, is it Bashir? Yes, Bashir? Julian Bashir. He Bashir. is the medical officer. Mm-hmm. Um. His actual rank. Ooh. I know that he's the lead medical officer on Deep Space Nine, but I actually don't know his his actual rank. Oh, we might have got you with that. Yeah, you got me with that one. Okay. How many ranks are there in Star Trek, by the way? So I know that there is Ensign, and then there's Cadet, and then... I honestly... (laughs) (laughs) From there, I know, like... like you have like your first officer and then you have like specific okay positions so like you'll have like chief me- chief medical officer okay okay <laughs> yes Let's see. I, i'm going to guess that's what Bashir is is okay. he the chief medical officer okay hold on hold on okay so like looks like i'm looking up ranks because that that looks like a job technically in star trek yes, but true. not ranks so it's cadet ensign um lieutenant junior grade lieutenant lieutenant commander commander Mm. and captain so those are the official ranks okay yeah then if i had to guess i would say he's a lieutenant commander but i could be wrong okay i know he is the chief medical officer of deep space you got the you got the occupation right yeah (laughs) wrong but like yeah it's just lieutenant he's just a lieutenant oh wow okay surprised by that yeah yeah but you got the occupation correct yeah 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 so all right one of one here um the next question is going to be in the realm of video games video game trivia here all right so this one is it could be pretty easy it could be pretty hard i guess it kind of depends (laughs) on if you know the franchise or not but all right so all right um in what franchise launch uh in what franchise launching in 1985 had an education video game that where a user was required to have a warrant for each arrest while traveling to locals as widespread as 
also um Cairo and Lemia. What video game franchise or what popular IP was an educational video game in 1985 that where a user was required to have a warrant to search for eat or rest while traveling to places such as Oslo? Um, what is it? O S L O. What's the pronunciation of that? Oh, Oslo. Oslo. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Oslo. Um. Oslo, Cairo, and. Lima specifically are examples of places you would travel in this IP. Also, this IP was also a popular, a popular um, cartoon. Popular cartoon. Popular cartoon that was an educational video game in the 1980s. I have no idea. This is a hard one as well. <laughs> that is a hard one. question. <laughs> yeah, I, I sort of put the I sort of put the the temperature up since you're already in the Hall of Fame. No, right? that's fair. I mean, I had some lowball questions. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, man, if it was a popular cartoon, I was tempted to say like Mario, but now not so much. But if it was a popular cartoon in the '80s. I actually watched this as a little kid, and I was born in the 1990s as well. So I think okay. this was also around in the 90s. Okay. I want to say something like G.I. Joe, but I honestly don't know. It is. Um, I watched this, after, I think it was on Fox. I think it was like, uh, I think it came on like Fox cartoons on Saturday morning. Okay. Yeah, yeah I have no idea. <laughs> okay. So it is. Where is Carmen San Diego. Oh, oh, that makes so much more sense. <laughs> yeah, where is Carmen San Diego? Okay. Where That's is cool. Carmen? I had no idea that that was a game. Yeah, it was a game. It was an educational video game, basically. Huh. That's cool. I didn't know that either. That's really cool. Um, all right. So your next category is in the realm of Xbox. Okay. Xbox. So, the Warthog is the nickname for the M12 Force Application Light Resistance Vehicle, a fictional armored fighting vehicle which appears in which video game series? That would be Halo. That would absolutely be Halo. <laughs> there are two of twos, good dear sir. So, like, all right, so you are two of two. It's been really fun so far, but your last question is probably going to be the hardest. It is in the realm of Nintendo. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, this one, could, this one could be hard, though. All right, so it's dangerous to go to an auction alone. In July of 2021, an original Nintendo Entertainment System cartridge of what old-school fantasy game sold for $870,000. I believe it was The Legend of Zelda. You are absolutely correct. Oh, that was just, okay. I didn't it know it was just The Legend, Legend, of Legend of Zelda. Zelda. <laughs> it was just The Legend of Zelda, yeah. Yeah, I remember reading about that being like, That is crazy, wow. isn't it? Yeah. That is crazy. I think it was like, was it still boxed? And then, what, yeah, like, perfect yeah. intention and wow. everything. Wow. That is absolutely crazy. Yeah. $870,000. What would you do with $870,000 right now? <laughs> Save it and invest it. <laughs> you would got it by, by one thing cool, right? 
Like one so cool I, thing. Right? I've had this conversation with my girlfriend a lot because we're uh -huh. always like, what if you win the lotto? What would you do? And I'm like, first off, I tell nobody. Like nobody no, can know. Nobody would find no, out. No. Nobody would know. Like, but maybe I'm too altruistic or something. But like, I'd give I'd give money to the people in my life that I know that need it. And you I love know, that. if I, I I'd like I'd like the idea that you know if you have enough money now you could retire and enjoy the rest of your life. So mm -hmm. like I'd like to give that money to those specific people so they can choose to do with their lives what they want to do with. I want to set aside some money for myself, you know, for living purposes and also for enjoyment purposes. Like it's yeah. like the vacation do things, but like. The rest of it can all go to a charity. It can go to a place that really needs it. Because I'm, I'm not of the mind that I need like a ton of money to be happy. I, there's definitely a threshold where it's like you can live very comfortably and go out and work a job that you're really, really enjoying, like indie developing, right? Yeah. If, if money was no option, I'd be indie developing every day and would be working with indie developers as much as possible for free. Like I would love to be able to help people in that capacity. Um, so that's that. like those are the kinds of things that I would want to do personally, but that's just me. I think that's a great answer. I, I think that is a very pure answer. <laughs> that's a very pure answer that not a lot of people would give. If I'm being honest. Well, I love I, that answer. I mean, I get it. Like you know, yeah. I, I'd be lying if I said I didn't love Ferraris and Lamborghinis and McLarens, and I love a good Rolex and those things. Of course, like you know, those yeah. those things are all really, really, really cool. And I'm not gonna say that they're not. And I'm not gonna say that I might not, you know, walk off with an Omega Speedmaster and you know be really happy with that. But it's like yeah. at the end of the day like you know i think for me in particular it's like i want to i like to travel i like to get out and do things i love to like do like i'd love to do this podcast with you i love to interact with people and and really make those connections and do those things so you know the opportunity to have that and have that sort of that financial freedom to be able to do that to me would be would be invaluable Okay, okay. I thought maybe you would have said you would go out and buy like a, a souped up DeLorean car or something like that. You know, like, I thought that I thought you were gonna say something like that, like the Blade Runner car, maybe the DeLorean or something. I mean, I might I might treat myself to uh to the captain's chair, you know, at Star yeah. Trek Las Vegas. But, yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah, but it, but I'm, I'm glad you stayed humble. You stayed humble. <laughs> yeah. I love that. That's that's a really good answer. But Alec, it's been really fun having you. Always a good time, man. It's I love having you on the show, man. It's all laughs and it's all a good time. Uh, before we go, though, where can the good people find you? They can still find us at our, uh, well, for the time being, still at our <laughs> Sickness Instagram and our Sickness Twitter. Um, those things will eventually be changing hands here in the next couple months, but all of those things are still there. Um, but yeah, you can find me on there. Uh, we're still hanging out over there. We're still... Uh, you know, supporting our indie brothers and sisters, and you know, we'll be announcing hopefully some new projects coming around the corner soon. Oh, I I can't wait to I can't wait for the announcements. I can't wait to get hands on with the new project, man. I'm so excited because I think this next thing which we've been telling me about is going to be absolutely amazing. Oh yeah, we're really excited, and I think we've learned so much over the last couple of years with what we've done that we're feeling really good about where we're headed. So. All right, all right. So Alec, thank you so much for being on the show. Before we go, um, we're doing this new thing to where we're giving everybody not only a v like we used to do video game recommendations. We're always doing video game recommendations throughout this show. I want to spice things up. You're you're you you watch a lot of stuff. What is your <laughs> your show or movie recommendation that you want to do before we go? <laughs> really low balls. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Star Trek: Deep Space Nine. Okay, I, I like think. That. 
I think if anybody is going to dip their toes into Star Trek, obviously Next Generation is great, Voyager is great, the original series is great, Strange New Worlds is phenomenal, Lower Decks is phenomenal, but Deep Space Nine is a show that has really, really, really come into its own, especially now, because I think it that show has been more relevant now more than ever so i i say give ds9 a watch just get lost in the ridiculousness of quark and odo and the the ridiculousness of wormhole gods and all these other things that are going on and just just delve straight into it just get it right into the thick of star trek i'm feeling that i'm feeling that <laughs> i think um my recommendation i think i'm going to give people is a little show called the tulsa king with sylvester Stallone. oh is, yeah I, I i'm loving it it's funny it's got some action into it the one-liners uh, are amusing me it's got a little breaking badness to it uh, that mm -hmm, i'm liking mm -hmm. so yeah i'm definitely into that right now actually i got one more okay good movie especially because it's spooky season you want a good thriller the menu just recently watched oh. it unbelievable an absolutely unbelievable movie a ton of dark humor like mm -hmm. it, it is it is a great ride so highly recommend i think it's streaming on hulu yeah it's on hulu i i yeah. see it all the time and i'm i'm not brave enough to click yet oh it's it's not scary okay but not like scary. It, it fits spooky season perfectly it's more <laughs> of a psychological thriller kind of thing you're once like they reveal the whole plot to the movie and like the first hour like you know everything that's going on because the guy literally tells you verbatim this is what's going to happen okay and and you sort of just watch it all play out and it is it it is one of the best movies i've seen in the last five years okay i'm gonna have to give it a try because like we it's like i the other like cooking s type of thing that i've um watched lately was the bear like oh I, yeah 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 love the bear but yeah, this is this is a little bit different, but yeah, I'm definitely yeah. in that mood still. <laughs> I'm, I'm in the mood still. I'm definitely in that mood still. Well, Alec, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for coming on the show. Can't wait to have you back. In the meanwhile, everyone, thank you so much for listening. You can talk to me and Alec um, if you got anything that you want to say in the comments below, as well as our Discord server, um, the Single Player Experience Discord server. The link will be there below. And you can hit Alec up and the, the social links that will be in the description below. But in the meanwhile, thank you all so much for listening. I've been Sebastian. That's been Alec. Stay safe, stay gaming, and enjoy the Single Player Experience. Bye, y'all. So that's a wrap for today's show. I want to give a special shout out and thank you to Alec Tob from Cygnus Studios for being on the show today. I also want to let you know about the Single Player Experience Discord server. It's the perfect place for single player gamers to talk about the good single player games they've been playing lately and to get video game recommendations. Think of it kind of like a book club for single player gamers. The link to join will be in the description. Once you're in, feel free to share your video game backlog list, talk about the good games you've been playing, or give your feedback on the show. If you have a game that you think should be recommended or that you think I should talk about, let me know in the Single Player Experience Discord server. I'll see you there. Before we go, I just want to thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Stay safe, stay gaming, and I hope to catch you in the next one. Peace!